This is the Prestigious Initiative. Welcome. I'm Chris Bean, and here with me is Chris Kent. Hello, Mr. Kent. Hello, sir. Today we have a truly inspiring guest with us. He's someone who has walked through the darkest of moments and emerged stronger than ever. I'm thrilled to introduce Kevin Palmieri, CFO, founder, co-host, and Peak Performance podcast coach. Kevin, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you both for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to chat, and uh, I don't know where we're going to go with our conversation, but I'm sure it will be fruitful. Very good. Kevin, uh, your journey from rock bottom to where you are now is truly remarkable. Can you share uh, a bit about your about how you found your way out of that dark place and embarked on the path of holistic self-improvement? Absolutely. So just for, I always give a little bit of reference. I was raised in a lower middle class environment by my mom and my grandmother. I didn't know my dad. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. So obviously that has played a role in the man you see in front of you. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So when I graduated high school, I decided not to go off to college. And I worked many, many odd jobs trying to figure out what I wanted to do in the world. I was a gas station attendant. I worked at a hospital cleaning toilets and floors, truck driver, forklift operator, on-call firefighter for a short time, all sorts of stuff. Just trying to figure it out. No idea what I wanted to do. But then in my early 20s, I got a very interesting opportunity in an industry called weatherization. So we would go into large state or government-owned buildings, usually schools, and it was our job to make those buildings more energy efficient. So I quite literally went from making $15 under the table as a construction guy to the first job I ever worked on, I was making $50 an hour. So I 3X my income by getting this new job. And then I fell into the trap of everything's going to be good now. Life's going to be wonderful. I'm making a ton of money. I don't have to worry about things anymore. So if you fast forward a few years, I had all the external results you could ever ask for. I had a girlfriend who was a model. I had just competed in and won a bodybuilding show. So I was quite literally in the best shape of my life. Sports car, high paying job, new apartment, all the measures of external success. But internally, I was miserable. I was afraid of my own shadow. I was insecure. I was uncertain of what I was going to do in the future. I didn't really feel grounded in who I was as a man. My girlfriend ends up leaving me because I was just a shell of a human. And when she left me, I said, look, I'm not ready to work on inner stuff. I need to go make more money because if I make more money, more of my problems will go away. So the next year I grinded my face off and I spent 10 years living in hotels, uh, 10 years, 10 months living in hotels. And I got to the end of the year and I, I made $100,000 at 26 with no college degree. And I remember cracking open my final pay stub. And I remember the feelings that I expected were not the feelings that arrived. I expected to feel confident. I expected to feel certain. I, ex I expected to feel all this internal stuff, and I didn't. So I realized in that moment that for most of my life, and especially that year, I'd lived unconsciously. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. So I started a podcast in 2017 called the Hyperconscious Podcast. I fell in love with podcasting as I started to loathe my job. I've reached the pinnacle. I'm not spending another 10 months on the road. I'm not willing to do what it takes to get there again. So I start calling out of work. I start leaving the job sites early, showing up late. And eventually it gets to the point where every time I was getting ready to leave to go to another state, I would just get this pit in my stomach. And I would be so homesick before I even left. And it just was not good for my mental health. So all of this got to a point where I was working in New Jersey 
six hours away from where I lived at the time. And I woke up in a hotel room. I sat up, I slid to the edge of the bed. I was lacing up my work boots as I had done a thousand times before. But that morning, it was like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time. And every single one was on a different station. And one is saying, you're stuck here forever. People like you do not get opportunities like this. Never mind, leave them behind. If you ever worked up the courage to leave, what are your friends going to think? I was the most successful person in my friend group. What's your family going to think? I was the most successful person in my family, I think, ever. And you don't have, you never had a plan A. This is your plan B. We don't have a plan C. What are we going to do? And in that moment, I thought to myself, if I take my life, I will take my problems with me. And that was the worst, deepest, darkest hole I'd ever been in. Very blessed that I have amazing people around me, sometimes people I don't feel I deserve. And I messaged one of them. His name's Alan. He's the co-host and co-founder of our company. And I said, hey man, I'm struggling. I'm dealing with these thoughts. I'm dealing with these feelings. What do I do? And he had many wisdom-filled thoughts, but the thing I remember that stood out the most was over the last few years, your awareness has changed a ton, but your environments have remained the same. I think it's time for you to change your environment. So I ended up leaving that job three or four months later and then starting the journey of being a very broke, not successful business owner for the next three and a half or four years. And honestly, the simplest answer is self-improvement. I got out of the deep, dark hole that I had created for myself by saying, you've worked diligently on your body. You've worked diligently on your bank account. You've worked diligently on your car. You've worked really, really hard on looking good externally. What would happen if we started working on the actual internal pieces of ourselves? What could happen then? Self-improvement quite literally saved my life. And every single day since then, I've been trying to get a little bit better when it comes to health, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, when it comes to wealth, how we make our money and where we invest it. And then when it comes to love, self-love for myself, but also being the best husband and leader, business owner I can be. And it sounds like you were kind of caught because a lot of the goals that you were chasing after were not necessarily your own, but were societal you know, goals that you should want. And so you were after the, the should wants instead of the, the true what you yourself wants. The, the big problem with it all was I didn't feel like I was ever going to get to where I was. So it was such a success to me was such a foreign thing that I just thought maybe I was doing it wrong. It just, maybe I just didn't get the results I thought I was supposed to. So if I make more money, maybe I'll get more results. I had no idea. I, I felt for most of my life, I was going to be wildly unsuccessful. So my assumption was, oh, okay, this is going to be fine. Everything is going to kind of work itself out. And I think the, the real jarring part of it was I had made the most money I'd ever made. That was my goal. And then it's just this awareness of, oh, that just isn't it. This isn't it. You just spent the last year trying to find every key to open the door to fulfillment and every key didn't work. And you thought this final key was the final boss key and you crack it into the door and nothing happens. So yeah, I, I would say, I would say it wasn't as much of the external societal pressure. It was more, that's what I thought I wanted. I, I am somebody who's driven by money. I am somebody who's driven by financial freedom but it wasn't in a sustainable, fulfilling way. So I think it was a mixture. It was a mixture of me not really having the self-awareness to understand myself 
mixed with maybe societal pressures as well. I see. Well, you know, it's, it's truly remarkable how you have transformed your life. Could you, you. Uh, delve deeper into the holistic approach to self-improvement? You know, what are some, some, some key strategies or practices that have made a, a significant impact on your well-being? Yeah, when we say holistic, all we mean by that is three-dimensional. So health, wealth, and love. I do not desire to be somebody who is very financially successful, but I take my body for granted, my physical health, my emotional health, my spiritual health. I want to be somebody who is a great husband, a great business owner, and physically capable, right? So anytime you hear me say holistic, that's, that's what we mean. In the very beginning, it was tracking habits. I always identified as someone who I'm not good when it comes to habits. I'm not somebody who can be consistent. I'm not somebody who can be disciplined in the very beginning. And then as I started tracking habits, I realized that habits for many of us, it's something we unconsciously practice. We just don't always have, um, we don't always have habits in the right direction. So if you go through the drive-thru every day, you get a coffee, a Danish and a donut, that's a habit. It's just not necessarily an aligned habit for where we want to go. So in the very beginning, it was that for me. It was having a flashcard that had track your bank account. It had chase a fear. It had 30 minutes of meditation. It had track the podcast listens and it had one other thing on it. And every day I would just do a check mark. And then at the end of the day, I'd erase it all and do the same tomorrow. And that started to help me build self-trust. It, it helped me to start to understand, okay, you are capable of doing things and, and building things. So that was a big one for me. The fear chasing aspect for me might be the biggest thing I've ever done because I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of having conversations with strangers. I was afraid of rejection. I was afraid of judgment. I was afraid of all those things to the point where they were quite literally controlling my life. So I used to do a check for every time I chased a fear. So say I went on a podcast, be like, all right, that was hard. Let me check that off. I did a, I did a fear chasing activity today. And I became pretty obsessed with, with chasing as many of my fears as possible. So that was really big. And then the other thing too is I worked really, really hard on identifying and rectifying my insecurities. I remember having so many moments throughout the years of podcasting where we'd be interviewing somebody wildly successful, not just compared to where we were. And I would have this moment of, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not a good enough host. Or I'm around people who know a lot about what we're talking about. Do they have an ego? Are they arrogant? Or is that me? Am I just super insecure in this moment? So a lot of the growth that I've had has really been me understanding myself at a deeper level and then trying to figure out, okay, am I intimidated by Chris and Chris? No, they seem like pretty balanced humans. Am I just insecure about my own skills? Okay, that's it. All right, how do I work on that? That's been a really big thing for me. I really am not someone who had a ton of belief. So the thing I've worked on most diligently, I would say, is just believing in my own capabilities, showing up day by day and, and trying to put in the reps. And it really sounds like as you were going through and checking those boxes on the on the note cards, that was creating your, it was building an identity within yourself of somebody who can sustain those habits. Yeah. And yeah. It's, I needed self-trust. Right. I needed to build self, self-trust in my own capabilities and taking internal identity work and saying, okay, I'm not confident. I'm not consistent. I'm not disciplined. And then to your point, putting it on a piece of paper and saying, well, that check mark suggests otherwise. Then you start to rewire your identity that way. Yeah. 
Now, would you slowly integrate more and more habits into that that type of system, or would you just keep it as that baseline? No, it's it. That's where it started. It started at five. Today, we're at. I've been as high as I think thirty five. There was a point where I was tracking thirty five habits every day, and then it was like, okay, I think I became too obsessed with getting a hundred percent tracking, and I wasn't doing the most important things. So then we dialed that back to like twenty five. But it it pretty much came okay. These are our current goals. These are the five habits that we will reverse engineer that we have determined that are the most valuable. Cool. Now we have new goals. Look, we have a Facebook group now. You got to you got to post in the Facebook group every day. Okay. We're looking for higher level guests. You got to send a message to a high level guest every day. Okay. You know, now we're really actually making money as a business. You got to track our finances every day and go through and make sure everything's good. Okay. So now a lot of the habits are based on the the actual pulls on my time based on what's going on balanced with where we're trying to go and what habits I need to practice in order to get there. Your calendar now, does that kind of how the the habits uh, find their, their home? So as opposed to having everything on a note card, do you have everything on a calendar? Like, you know, make the Facebook post or check the, the, the revenue or whatever the, whatever the habits are now, are they built into there? No. So the way my calendar is from, so I get up usually at five, I'm at the gym by five 30. So I get up, I do 15 minutes of mobility, the gym six minutes away. So I'm usually there by five 30. I do an hour and a half, two hours with cardio, depending on what I'm doing. And then from the time I get back until my first meeting of the day, which is not until 11 a.m. now, I have like four hours of time-blocked silence where I'll literally go through and say, okay, let me pull it up. I operate through the spreadsheets, really, is the way I do it now. We have an app too uh, for our audience to use as well. But I'll literally go through and it's at this point, it's like I track the listens first, then I track the finances, then I post in the Facebook group. A lot of it is just my morning routine now. So my calendar remains completely open for other podcasts like this, our seven podcasts, my other podcasts that I do every week, and then all of the coaching calls I do as well. So it's pretty much silence and protection in the morning, all front facing from 11 till six, seven, depending on the day. And then it's family time and food after that. So now your habits are just part of of your identity of who you are. You bake them into your normal being. That's nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's very proactive now, as opposed to before it was kind of, it was kind of reactive. I, I think of it almost as if I have that four hour time block, there's no reason I can't get everything done. I can get a lot done in four hours if I'm just super focused. Before it was more of a game of Tetris is how I would think of it, where it's like, okay, I got I to gotta post on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. I have 15 minutes between this meeting. I could probably do that and then one other thing. Now it's way more regimented where I'm talking to you and then I'm on a coaching call and then I'm on another thing and I'm on another thing. So I don't really have to worry about the other stuff. I just am serving and I can just serve and serve and serve. And then when I finish tonight, I'll be done for the night. Very good. And I would imagine, you know, part of you, part of your habits are you talking about done for the night when you're done for the night, you, you, you laptop is off, you, you, you know, you close all that away and then you're doing what family time or whatever. Yeah. It's usually cell phone stays in the office, office door gets shut, everything gets turned off. And then I go, I tend to only eat. It depends right now I'm, I'm dieting. So I'm eating more frequently than I usually do. But oftentimes I'll just eat one meal at the end of the night based on 
what the workout schedule looks like. So yeah, I'll eat with my wife or I'll eat by myself. And then, then I usually hang out in bed for like an hour and a half before bed. And then tomorrow the same thing happens. Sure. Yeah. And so that, I mean, I can imagine having all of your, your daily habits or, or practices, uh, built into your routine is, is immensely beneficial because then you don't have to think, okay, what do I have to do next? You don't, you know, you've yep. done them for so long. It's not like you have to think, okay, this happens. And then this, you have a, you know, they're just part of who you are, which again is, is, you know, where the, the, the goal of where most people want to end up at. Yeah. And again, I always like to throw out that I'm, I'm very privileged at this point to be able to kind of do the things that matter the most. So 80% of my time is either podcasting, podcast coaching, or being on other shows. But I'm blessed now. We're privileged now to have a, a lot of the opportunities that we do, to have the team that we do and all that. So it's it's changed drastically over the last few years. But yeah, it's it's definitely beneficial to just have it in my mind. I can be more proactive. Just make sure you're moving the right needles at the right time in the right way. And it's it's a lot easier than it's been, but it's also far more challenging than it's ever been too. So with that, do you have like a, a weekly or monthly check-in to kind of see where you're at as far as moving the needle in the right direction? We operate on 90-day goals. So every single quarter, we can, I, don't, I won't say we completely redesign, but I think the three words for Q4 are, it's like simplicity. I don't know. We're in a very simple phase where we've been growing and growing and growing and growing. And now we want to ratchet in and just let's make things simple. We've overcomplicated a lot of things. So on my tracking system, I have a running tally of how much money we've made this quarter, how many listens we have this quarter, how many clients I've gotten this quarter. And for me, those are the three main measurements. So in a way, I'm checking in every day on where I am today versus where I want to be by the end of the quarter. And then my business partner and I, he's the CEO. So then we'll do a 90-day check-in. We'll say, okay, what did we do? How did we, did we miss? Did we hit? Did we overshoot? How do we set more effective, appropriate, ac accurate goals for the next quarter? So I would say yes, but a lot of it is proactive every day with the tracking that I'm doing. And really... I'm 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 trying to imagine what you have. You probably have like a an ultimate goal of where you want your your business to be at, and then your ninety day ninety day goals are kind of the intermediate to kind of make sure that you're still in line with where you want. And then those check ins just give you an opportunity to reevaluate, reassess. Okay, did we hit the marks? No, yes, and then move that goalpost back ninety days. Yeah, yeah. My business partner is definitely the visionary between the two of us. I'm more the day to day operator and short term productive paranoia guy, but it pretty much is 50-year goals, 10-year goals, and then those 10-year goals get broken down into yearly goals, and then we do quarterly goals, and then that's how you fall upon the habits that you're tracking. The habits you're tracking are directly connected to the quarterly goals which are connected to the yearly and then yeah so on and so forth. Right. And and you know whether it's business or in life those that system applies your your habits or we I we talk about them as daily practices. Those daily practices help to line you up to make sure you are hitting the marks of your goals and we talk about working backwards. You start with the the end goal, not necessarily, you know, something you can check off kind of like you know I, I want to be happy in life. It's not like right. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and think, okay, I can check that box. I'm done. But that's a goal that I want to end up in life with. And so if I work backwards, okay, what, what, then you do the the SMART goal, which is specific time. You don't know what SMART is. Um, you, you, that I use that goal kind of like a, a milestone. And then you work backwards from there, and then you have your daily habits and practices that are all in line with your values to help, 
line you up with where you want to be at with that with that end goal. And that seems like real close to what you're doing as uh, you know on, on the business side of things. Well, it's it's very interesting, and I love the fact that you said align with your goals, your core values, your core aspirations, your core beliefs, that type of stuff. Because what I think a lot of us tend to unfortunately miss out on is we have the professional development side down. So you have your KPIs and you know what to track. But if I said, well, how do you know your relationship is going to be successful? Sometimes that's where it falls off and people say, I just, I don't know, it just will be or it won't be. So one of the things that I do is every night before my wife and I go to bed, we play the gratitude game. So we just each say one thing we're grateful for about one another. That's a habit I have. And for me, fitness is a habit. So 30 minutes of exercise, if I do that, I check off that box. I weigh myself every day. I track my calories every day. So it really is gamifying business in life. If you're really dialed in with tracking your business KPIs and you can start adopting that behavior in your personal life, you are going to be unstoppable. You are going to be unstoppable because the key to a successful body is the right consistent habits. The key to to any successful relationship is the right consistent habits. And if you can track those like you would numbers on a spreadsheet for a business, I would bet on you in the long run for sure to succeed there. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Now, your podcast has not only become a source of inspiration, but also you know a thriving business on its own. Can you walk us through the journey of taking your podcast to ground zero to multi six figure success? You know, what are what are some some pivotal moments or or strategies that played a role in this growth? In the very beginning, so after I left my job in 2018. Alan and I worked very diligently on our characters. So for the first two years, we weren't even really focused on making money. I probably should have been more than I was, honestly, but we weren't. We had just realized that our audience is primarily female. We were coming from a, we're both bodybuilder bros. I'm going to be the next Joe Rogan. That was kind of the frame of mind I had at the time. Then we realized that's not the direction this is going to go. So the first thing we ever did to make money was we started coaching. We would build real, authentic, value-driven relationships with our listeners. Somebody might reach out and say, hey, I listened to this episode. I love it. And in the very beginning, I would just jump on a FaceTime call with them. I didn't have anything to offer. I wasn't selling anything. It was just like, thank you so much for reaching out. I appreciate it. I'd love to learn more about you and add any value I can. This is my phone number. Let me know if you have a time that works well for you. So in the beginning, we were just building real, authentic relationships with our audience even though it's not scalable, I think it was one of the most valuable things we could do. Then I started coaching and Alan started coaching. So that was our first dipping our toe into actually making money. So I started at $50. I started at free. I coached five people for free for like two months each. And at the end, I said, I can't do this for free anymore. My calendar is actually starting to fill up. What do you think of $50 a call? And everybody said, yes. So then I was making 250 bucks a week, which for me was life-changing money at the time. And then you know, 50 goes to 75, 75 goes to 100. So that was really important for me to see and believe in the fact that I could actually coach people because I didn't have a much belief around that. Then there was another real pivotal thing for us. I had a mentor who reached out to me one time and he said, hey, I think you should start coaching podcasters and producing podcasts. And I said, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. So a great idea in theory, but I don't even know what you mean. I don't know what I'm doing. And bear in mind, we were probably 300 episodes in at this point. And he said, I have a guy who wants to start a podcast. I think you should help him. And I said, all right, give me his number and I'll see what I can do. 
I know nothing about sales. I know nothing about business at this point. I don't know what I'm doing. So I call this, this gentleman and I connect with him. He was the CEO of a financial firm at the time. And I go to his building and I have a conversation with him and we talk about podcasting and he says, what do you do? And it's like, whatever, I'll do whatever you need. We'll do it. So that meeting went well, but we didn't end up working together then. So I went and saw him three or four more times. And I remember he called me up to his office and he said, all right, Kev, I'm in cash, check, Venmo, credit card. What do you accept? And I said, whatever, whatever you got, we will accept. I'll make it work. Don't worry about it. And I remember getting in the elevator uh, going down and I was dating my wife at the time. We weren't married. And I remember I texted her and I said, baby, we did it because that was, that, the, that was the first quote unquote high ticket client I ever had. So that was like, interesting. This podcast production company thing could happen. And now we have 55 clients or something like that. So that's a big piece of the business. Then we started doing live events. That was weird. That was a whole thing I never expected to do, but that was another, oh, when you get your community in a room together and you facilitate some sort of life-changing event, that is more powerful than any podcast episode is ever going to be. So that was really big. And then after that, we started getting some speaking gigs. So that was, that was a big piece of it as well. But it really was. It was almost, I am a, I am a seeing slash experiencing is believing guy. So every time I got an opportunity and something came of it, then it was like, oh, this could actually be something that's sustainable for the future. And it was that. It was one-on-one coaching led to podcast coaching. Podcast coaching led to more revenue, which allowed us to have events. Events allowed us to have a charity, which we have now as well. So there were many, many milestones or many, many mile markers along the way that, that really reinstilled belief into me that this was all going to work. But those are a few of the big ones. Okay, so a handful of questions from from there. I'm very intrigued on this, obviously, because we're kind of on the ground floor for where you were at that time. Um, when you when you started coaching, did you go through some sort of a a company to get certified to be a coach? Like, what is what is, did you just take your prior knowledge and apply that uh, you know across the individuals that you're working with? How did what did that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. I just, I remember someone saying, what are you going to help me with? And I was like, I don't really know. Just the stuff that we talk about on the podcast. And if I don't have an answer, I'll just tell you. I'll just say, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So no, there was no formal training. It was really just the experience that I had and the understanding that you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to be three or four steps ahead of the person you're helping. Depending on your, I mean, if you're, somebody who's doing like diets and stuff like that, you got to be careful with that because there's a lot that can go wrong or mental health stuff. You got to be careful with that. But no, in the beginning, it was just, I'm ahead based on the fact that I've studied this more. Let me see if I can add value to these individuals. That was it in the beginning. A lot of imposter syndrome for sure. But one of the worst things that I thought could possibly happen actually happened and and it turned into being one of the best things. Somebody reached out to me on on Instagram one day. And they said, I mean this with no malice or negativity, but what gives you the right to coach other people? And that was my fear. It's like, oh my God, somebody's going to find out. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And I remember sitting there and then I formulated this, this message back and I said, I appreciate the disclaimer. And I said, honestly, at this point, I've studied thousands of hours of self-improvement. I have 300 
podcast episodes with some of the most successful people on the planet. I have taken myself from the brink of suicide to where I am today. I've studied this. I mean, this is this is who I am. I am I've become somebody who identifies as I am a peak performer, someone who's into self-improvement. I said, I think those set me apart from a lot of people. I'm not just saying it, I'm practicing it. And the person said, awesome, thank you so much for that. I was like, all right, cool. Maybe that went better than I expected. So that's when I really knew, okay, I might not have a degree. I might not have a piece of paper that says I can do this, but the results that I'm able to create for myself hopefully will lend credibility and trust to the fact that I can help you in some way, shape, or form. Now, as you're as you're on the the, the ground level of this coaching, and even even thereafter, I, I don't know what what being a coach is like or having been somebody who has been coached. My my speculation is you are likely doing the same conversation with lots of people over and over and over again. And then on top of that, calling that, you know, calling John, let's say, and, you know, reminding him to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, and then, you know, five days later or something doing that again. Is that, am I, am I, am I off on that? Is that, you know, what is that like? Yeah. So in the beginning, again, it was wild. So I would just give you my cell phone number and you just text me. You could just text me whenever you wanted. You'd have my personal cell phone number and we would just do weekly calls. So let's just say every Wednesday at noon, you and I hop on. And at that point, I had borrowed a lot of what I was doing from Alan because Alan is just, Alan is the most intelligent human I've met bar none. He's something special. He's just, he's something special. So I've learned a lot from him. So I would kind of just use what he taught me with the frameworks that he had created. And then I would use those as the resources for these coaching calls. So someone might come and say, I don't really feel like I can communicate effectively with my partner. And I'd say, okay, what does the current communication look like? And they'd explain it. And I'd say, all right, well, what you need to do, what you need to do, what I think would work best based on the stuff that I've used and, and what other people have found value in is if you do blank, blank, and blank. Okay, cool. What else is going on? Where do we feel like we are losing momentum? Where do we feel like we need to build momentum? What's happening? So it always started, and it still is. This is still the same way I coach. I would pretty much say, based on where you are today and the results you want, what do you believe is the most valuable use of our time? And I still do that with my podcast clients. I, I start every coaching call with that question because I've realized that you can't really coach someone beyond where they want to go. And if they tell you, these are the five things I really want to talk about in this call, those calls are always going to be the most valuable ones for them because they genuinely feel like they're making progress towards their desired result. So even to this day, it's every other week, I coach many podcast clients. They have WhatsApp access to me now, not my personal cell phone anymore. So we've moved on up in the world. And it is, it's what is working, what's not working. And between you and I, based on what we've determined you want, what do you believe the most valuable use of our time is? And the biggest lesson I've learned is there's a drastic difference between what somebody tells you they want and what they actually want. And I guess it makes sense, but I've had a lot of people say, I want my podcast to be as successful as yours. It's like, all right, cool. Are you good with trading the next seven years of your life? And you're going to, I mean, there's going to be a lot of stuff that you don't want to do. And they say, well, maybe not. Maybe that, maybe I don't want to do that. It's like, good. I'm glad we got that off the table because the last thing I want to do is push you towards the resistance that you actually don't want slash need for your specific goals. So that's been a very valuable lesson for me. 
And it sounds like now you've shifted from coaching people on a personal level to coaching podcasters to be more professional in their realm. Yeah. Yeah. So Alan has really taken over a lot of the peak performance mindset, business relationship coaching. And I have gone almost purely podcast coaching at this point, just because in the beginning I was doing all of our audio editing. I was doing all of our video editing. So I understood that at a deep level. So then when it was time to create a production team, I knew what to look for and, and kind of how to put that together. And then I've named every single one of our episodes. So all 1,500 episodes, I've named them all. So I kind of understood that. So yeah, it was, I want to be the podcast guy. That's what lights me up. That's what fills me up. Alan wants to be behind the scenes. He's doing a coaching call right now for sure. 100%, that's what he's doing. But I love being on podcasts and then I love coaching about podcasting just because it's always been something that I've loved the first time I ever was interviewed on a podcast, I said, imagine if you could do that for a living. That's the thing I said. Imagine if you could do that for a living. And now I, I get to do that and I'm surrounded by podcasters. So I think it's worked out very appropriately for what actually fulfills me. And I can imagine you get a sort of reward from watching them succeed using the, the, the tools that you've given them. Yeah. And I get to learn so much. I I learned from talking to you guys. It's like FaceTime. I never even knew you could do FaceTime for a pod on, on my browser. I didn't even know that was a thing. All right, that's cool. Let me see what this experience is like. And I'm always learning because I'm always connected to people who are doing what I'm trying to get better at. So it is, it's a hack. And then I started a podcast about podcasts, which was like, this is weird. So it's just, it's all come together really nicely, but it's happened in the last year and a half. The first few years, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just trying to move forward. Now I can move forward towards a direction that I know I want to get to. And that's just the clarity that comes with doing something for long enough, surviving for long enough, really. Sure. And of course, we all learn from failure. As failure is, is a necessity to learning, which most people you know, overlook. And I'm sure taking all of the things that led you up to the point now, even you know, within this past year... You've learned so much from all of those things that then can give you an actual path to, to what forward even looks like. Because I'm sure for a while, forward was all kinds of different directions and not being able to concisely pick, that's the direction we want to go to. That's our north. And then you know, set the heading there and then travel that direction. It's really hard to learn without experience. There's just been so much experience at this point of Oh, this is how you, this is how you build a website. All right, cool. Now I know how to build a website. Awesome. This is how you do this. This is how you do this. This is. I just feel like I'm more seasoned in my competencies, even if I don't do the things I used to do. But a lot of that just came from, in the beginning, it was just us trying to figure out how to do this, how to do that. Now, a lot of those skills I've been able to pass on to other people, and then I can go back to podcasting, back to podcasting. So yeah, I don't know if there's anything as valuable as experience. Experience is going to teach you things that theory never could. I remember the first time I ever tried to snowboard, I watched a hundred YouTube videos. And when I strapped into that snowboard and pointed that thing down the mountain, I was like, I don't know if those helped or hurt because I thought it was going to be easier than it was, but I also thought it was going to be harder. So I think theory is good and getting awareness around something is good. But to your point, I don't know if anything, if anything is as exponential as experience is. 
Well, and and that go off on a small tangent. I remember reading this story, and that that really this really hit hit home for me. Uh, Stories about a young a young gentleman named John. John read in the book on how to be a successful mathematician. So then he went out and could could do math very well. He learned how to to perform uh, stocks and trades and on 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 paper, and then went out and did those things. And you know all these things he read from the book, and then he could go out and do. Then he he got to to learn how to to swim. He got the book how to learn how to swim. Okay, great. Dove in the water and then he drowned. Mm. You can learn some things from pen and paper and, and and through a book, but experience really is is the key to to being able to do those things. And you know that to me it was like oh wow that's <laughs> that that took a different turn than I was <laughs> expecting. Uh, but it, it clearly tells the point that experience. You know, there are some things you can learn from watching or from from reading, but there are some things you just have to go and experience and do. And until you go do those things, it, it's not the same. Yeah. Alan and I, we used to have an argument. He used to say, I never believed that potential was enough. I think potential energy is great, but potential without practice is just, it's just potential. And I've always thought that way. If you can take action, you're going to end up further than most people because even a misaligned action has lessons. Even, even an action in the direct opposite direction of where you want to go still has lessons. Where when you're sitting on the sidelines looking and saying, okay, I would have done this play differently. I would have done this different. You don't know what you would have done if you haven't done it. And if, you, if you're not in the game, it's very hard to actually take tangible lessons away. So Rest in peace, John. That was darker. That went in a darker direction than I expected, but I, I do agree with it. Yeah. Now, the other the other question I have for that, as far as the podcast coaching side, you you talked about you you helped that gentleman set up the the his podcast. What so when you when you say that you mean you helped him get his equipment set up and his set and and those kind of things, or do you mean you actually do the editing or your team does the editing? What, what, you know, and, and I'm sure this is, this is, a, is something you still offer. So this would be beneficial for anybody who would be in that realm. Oh, I appreciate that. In the beginning, again, when I say we were doing things that were not scalable, I'm telling you, we were doing the least scalable things. So this gentleman was local. I sent him an Amazon list of what camera, what mics, what mixer, what cables, what lights, what everything. And I went to his house and I set it all up at his house to the point where he was like, Hey man, I got a meeting. You mind locking up when I leave? And I was like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is wild. This is wild. What's happening. So yes, we right now it's everything from how do you do an intro? How do you do an outro? What equipment do you need? How do you get on all the platforms? Technically we'll do all that for you. And then we have a full production team that does audio editing, video editing, social media content, all of that stuff. So now it is a full scale production company where you come to us and say, Hey, this is my idea for a podcast. What do I need to launch it? I give you all the equipment you need. And then I walk you through each step on what you need to do. And then our team produces all of your content. So all you have to do is sit in front of the microphone and record. And then we take care of all the content. And then again, with action comes opportunity. Eventually it got to the point where people said, Hey, can you do my social media? And we were like, yeah, sure. So now we do all the production and social media for some people. Then another opportunity presents itself where I met someone who wasn't a podcaster, but they said, I want podcast like content. So now we have another piece of the business where I interview people and then we just take their content and turn it into micro content for social media. 
So a lot of things have come from learning how to audio edit and video edit it six years ago, seven years ago. That's kind of come full circle now. And I'm sure you know your your journey has has holds lessons for aspiring you know entrepreneurs of of all kinds, but really podcasters. And you know, podcast were told you know seemingly that after seven like what was it like up to up to seven episodes if you make it past seven episodes you're you're within the the top 50 percentile of of all podcasts and if you make it to 100 you know all these kind of milestones that seem really really low i I mean you know is is that actually what it's like do you do you see a lot of a lot of turnover sort of say or you know does having a business like yours help to take some of the resistance out from what those people otherwise would face to help them actually progress and, and succeed. And I'm sure your coaching, you know, helps along that as well. I would definitely say the, the attrition rate. I don't, I'm, I'm not even sure if that's the right phrase. Since the barrier to entry is so low with podcasts, the death rate of a podcast is also extremely high, right? It's, it's not hard anymore to start a podcast. It's easy. It's easy. Just like it's easy to sign up to a gym membership. But what's, what's difficult is going every single day. That 29 bucks is coming out either way, but going 29 times, that's the challenge. So I would say those numbers are really accurate, if not even elevated through COVID. A lot of people, there was an exponential increase in podcasts through COVID because everybody had more time. And you can start a podcast for like 50 bucks if you are doing the right thing. So money wasn't really a huge barrier there. But I would say... We've had, oh man, we have several clients who have been over 300 and some odd episodes with us. We've done every single episode ever. Yeah, it, it helps because here's the thing. Nobody starts a podcast because they love audio editing and video editing. That's not why you start. You started because you believe you have a message. You believe you have something in, impactful that the world needs to hear. Those are the barriers to entry. The barriers to entry are, I love this part. This is great. I love this okay, now let me spend three hours doing the stuff that I don't like. So yeah, it definitely allows our clients to do way more. And the other thing is a lot of our clients are, they have opportunities to monetize based on where they are in life. They need to be going out and making $300 for a coaching call, not spending $900 of their time editing the podcast episode. So that's the other thought too is, if you do have an opportunity to monetize through coaching services, courses, you're actually losing money if you're doing it yourself. That's another important piece that we've helped our clients understand is if you have enough demand, you're wasting your time doing stuff like this anyway. Now, of course, with, with AI being such a, a you know, relevant topic these days, how do you, how, what do you feel the AI presence is, or, or does it have a place as a tool for podcasters to use? And, and I, I say tool purposefully, not, you know, otherwise, but a tool for them to, 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 to help their production or content creation or, or whatever it is, you know, what's your, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? I would say use it as a supplement, not the main course. I'm a, I'm more of a mastery driven human than I used to be. So yeah, you can pretty much have AI title every episode and do all that. If it doesn't help you get better, it's dangerous because then there's no differentiator between you and everyone else. So I think AI is super useful, especially if someone has the time, but not the expertise to do a lot of these things because AI can do a lot of it for you. 
I would say just don't rely on it too much because skills monetize forever. Skills are something that when you learn something, you can use that forever. If AI is the skill, you're not really leveraging your own unique capabilities as much as you can, but I'm all in on it. If you can use it to be more productive, more efficient, have better, tighter systems, awesome. Just don't go so far in where you can't do things on your own because then you're, you're kind of shooting your future self in the foot a little bit. Sure. Because you know, what, what was the opportunity that someday that, that AI gets taken away or, or doesn't yeah. work the way that you wanted it to. And then you're relying on that. Ah, oh, man, I can't do anything because you know, whatever isn't there. Yeah. yeah and it's also the, the question of there's, there's stuff that's best for the short term and there's stuff that's best for the long term in the short term me editing every like, um, but, or too long of a pause out of a podcast is good, but I'll never be as great of a speaker as I could if I didn't do that. So that's the other thought that I have is we don't edit our podcast at all. We add the intro, we add the outro, we make sure the audio is crisp, obviously, but I don't want to edit it. I want to hear every like, I want to hear every, um, I want to hear every, but because if that's not in there, when I'm on with you, it's just, this is live. I don't know what's going to happen after I do the episode. Are you going to edit everything for me? I don't want you to have to do that. I want to make this easy. So that's another piece too, is you can use it as a supplement. You can use it as a safety net, but it, it shouldn't be the main thing because you're not going to get as good as you possibly could. And eventually, if you do do it long enough, right? if I'm still here 15 years from today, I'm going to be really good at podcasting. And I'm, the hard yards are going to be over. So at that point, it's just... It's just the return on my investment of not editing episodes eventually. Sure. Now, you know what, from the, from the get go, if you had somebody, if you could give somebody, you know, let's say three pieces of key advice as they're starting their journey into podcasting, you know, what would be, what would those three key pieces of advice, you know, what would, what would be the, the areas that they should invest the most time or money or energy into? I would say over deliver to an unscalable extent with your audience. Every DM, send audio messages, send video messages to people. Do not skimp on the fact that you have 15 listeners because those 15 listeners are all you got in the beginning. And you should treat them like everything because they are and that's important. So that would be one. Number two would be, maybe contrary to popular belief, try to monetize as quickly as humanly possible. Not through ads, not through sponsorships, not through affiliates. affiliates through coaching your audience or adding value in direct alignment with what your podcast is about. That would be number two. And then number three, hmm, it would probably be make sure you're reviewing your content. I know you don't like your voice. I know you don't want to hear your voice in your ears. You've got to listen to your episodes because that's the only way to get better. I would say those three are, one's going to lead to money, one's going to lead to mastery, and one's going to lead to impact. I would say those are probably the three. Okay. Now, with so we've done this is episode forty-one, I think for this for this podcast we have another podcast. So a little bit about us. We're, we're we're actually martial arts instructors. That's our love it. day job. It's not during the day most of the time, but anyways, um, <laughs> we've done it for for twenty some odd years at this point. Um, we did a, a podcast that has fifty-four episodes on that, and out of those fifty-four. And these 41, we've had, how many people reach out to us? Two, two people reach out to us. And, and we, we have call to actions. We have, you know, all these, all these things. What, 
seemingly we're missing something on, on building or making those connections so that we can, you know, provide that extra benefit, whether it be video, audio messages, or the the coaching opportunities. I, we're, we're grasping at straws, I, <laughs> I, you know, after, after so long. And I, I, you would, you would say that at, at some point on the, on the last podcast, I was almost like begging and pleading to try to get listeners to, to tell us, you know, where they're listening from or, you know, their favorite color, you know, I just threw in some random stuff to try to get somebody to do something. And we have on, on Spotify, we have the opportunity where you can put in all of the, the questions afterwards. Nobody has ever answered any of those mm. things. So seemingly something, uh, there's, there's a disconnect. You know, what, what, what is the, from somebody who doesn't know what they're doing to the coach, what, 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 what's the step? Well, now that I know you're in martial arts, I'm afraid to give the wrong answer because I might get choked out or arm barred. So <laughs> you should have told me that originally. Uh, that would have been beneficial for me. Uh, it would be, there would be a lot of questions around that. So I would say, how many listens do you have total? And you don't have to tell me if you don't want, but the conversion rate is drastically lower than you think it is. So this isn't a you a you problem. Yeah, on the last one we have like thirty two hundred listens, uh, and that one's been done now for a year and a half or so. That was we 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 had a, a content that we did, and that one's done. It's it's standalone. Yeah. This one we've done since January. We've had about eight, almost nine hundred listens. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you this question. On a scale of one to ten. How many? T how much time, energy, effort, and focus are you putting into social media? Well, we have we have a post that we do every week, and now we have a video that goes up with the trailer. So we 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 a trailer, quote unquote. We we read the description for the episode and then post that on there. That way, it has more hopefully more attention, so that the uh, you know as opposed to a picture or something, there's a video for it, and then we have that on on YouTube as well. We do what do we do? A post a week or so, yeah. Do you use your personal profiles or do you have just a business only podcast only page it's have, like Instagram? Yeah, we have. Uh, so for all of them, we have our, our business, you know, the proceeds initiative page. I would can that hmm. and build two, two personal brands. Ah. The, the reason behind it is, it, so this has always been my thought. I also love martial arts. So I did jujitsu for several years. I was training for my first fight and then I blew my shoulder out and I was like, this probably, I should probably find a different career. I don't know if this is going to work, but I love Muay Thai and I practice Muay Thai on my own right now. My content is not just about the podcast. My belief is I would rather you see a picture of me hitting the heavy bag and say, ah, oh, cool. He hits the heavy bag. I love that. You come follow me and two years from today, you say, I've seen about a thousand posts for this podcast. Let me check this out. Then you come listen to the podcast. I, I would rather somebody follow me because I have two cute cats and say, yeah, no, I'll, I'll come listen to this podcast eventually. I'm looking for as many opportunities to create self-identification as possible. And it's almost like you're pigeon, pigeonholing yourself into unless somebody actually likes the podcast where it is today based on what it is, you're losing the opportunity. So my thought, I always have two different calls to action. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an actual call to action. There's highest probability and highest ROI. Highest probability is at the end, when you say, where can people find you? I will not mention anything paid. I don't want your money. I'd rather you listen to the podcast. Highest probability. Because you're most likely not going to give me your money anyway, and it wouldn't work that way like it should. Highest ROI is highest return on investment. So it would be 
this is my cheapest product. This is my most expensive product. You pick whichever one you like. By definition, the highest ROI is also the lowest probability. So I always do highest probability. Hence, having two personals that have your lives and a sprinkle of the podcast is going to create more opportunity than one that is specific to the podcast. That's, that's one thing. The second thing is, do you have a Facebook group? Uh, no. Mm -mm. So one of the quotes I use often is, your podcast episode is only as valuable as what you do before it, social media, and after it. Where are the listeners supposed to go? This is another one of those highest probability. The highest probability is they're going to go to somewhere where they find value. It's not necessarily valuable for me to answer a question of what's my favorite color because I don't really get anything out of it as a consumer. Not that that's not a great try. I think that's I think that's valuable. I would say having a Facebook group or some sort of group because here's the thing. You both could listen to the same exact podcast and you could love it as much as the next person. But unless you either are neighbors who talk to each other or you end up meeting each other in a community, you'd never know. You'd never know. We need to create more opportunities for value-driven self-identification, not just self-identification, is what I would say. And then I would probably start posting more on social and doing stories. Stories are big too, because here's the thing too. If I put up a post, I can't see who viewed it. I can see who liked it, but I can't see who viewed it. If I put up a story, I can see everybody who viewed it. And I know, ah, okay, Chris has been watching every single one of my stories. Let me follow up with Chris and see how Chris is doing. Hey, Chris, long time no talk. How you doing, my friend? Oh, you know, I've been in and out. Things have been busy. Oh, cool. Uh, have you been listening to the podcast at all? We've done a lot of episodes based on what you're going through. You might find value. Boom. Maybe Chris comes back and listens to the podcast. So it's probably, a, honestly, it's probably a lack of sales. Now, I would say that. One of the reasons most podcasts don't succeed is because they think it's just marketing. They're like, well, people will come to us. No, no, no. No, no, no. They won't. There's so many other things to do. We got to go to them. We got to go to them. So yeah, that would be my, I don't know, six minute coaching session. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. We'll, we'll welcome, definitely put that into action. Um, so you, you've seemed to have made it your life's purpose to make a positive impact on as many people as possible, whether it be in the podcasting realm or even on, on the personal level to some regard. Uh, how can individuals align their personal and professional goals with a greater sense of purpose and, and you know, really giving back to their communities? I think it all starts with a question of if you could be someone for an earlier version of yourself, who would that be and why? And that's going to bring up an answer of, well, I really needed a confident, I needed a confident man in my life because I grew up without a dad or I needed a, a warm, inviting female perspective because my mom was never there, whatever it may be. And I think that's a piece of you figuring out how you want to impact the world. I think it starts with questions. I think self-awareness is everything. I think many of us understand our purpose at a, at a deeper level than we give ourselves credit for. Most purposes are helping a unique person in a unique way get a unique result. That tends to be the majority of purposes or helping a unique thing get a unique improvement in a unique way. Where I think a lot of us get lost is the vehicle. How am I going to do this? I want to 
positively inspire children. How am I going to do that? I could be a teacher. Yeah, but I have a background in martial arts. Martial arts school. What if we did that? So then that's a beautiful mixture of the purpose and the vehicle, which then creates hopefully momentum. So I would say that. I would say sit down and say, who did you need when you were younger that you could become? Because you're not the only person who needed someone like that. And then then you start doing value-driven activities towards that. Social media, podcast, speaking, book, magazine, blog, whatever it is. And eventually it gets to the point where enough people care about what you're doing where you'll have opportunities to really pour back into the community. There's a, an individual we interviewed a long time ago. His name is Michael Gorman. Good dude. One of the best guys ever. And his mission is to help the homeless population in Lawrence, Mass. So Lawrence, Massachusetts, is it was a, a tough place for a while where a lot of people were really struggling. And he made it his purpose. And he's gotten so many speeches and he knows a ton of people now. He focused on, this is the type of person I want to be. This is the type of person I want to help. I'm going to make content around it. I'm going to do speeches around it. I'm going to make my purpose around it. And then boom, the vehicle kind of connected. And really, it sounds like you're, you're s- trying to find out where the hole is, whether that be a hole that you see currently or a hole that you previously experienced. And then what can you do to be the type of person that would fill that in, in any way that would, would best suit you if or when you were there or to those people who are there currently? I think the hole that you have already figured out how to fill in gives you a head start to help other people fill in the same hole is what I would say. Yeah. I mean, my, my goal, my purpose is to be the person I needed at my lowest point. And that doesn't just mean I have to have a podcast that's about positive things all the time. It means the way I show up with you both today, I always am of the frame of, I may never talk to both of you again. This is probably the first time most of the audience has ever heard of me. And unfortunately, probably the last time a lot of them will hear from me. I only have this this hour to be the type of person that I needed. And that's a balanced, funny, serious, value-driven, whatever it may be. So that becomes the lens that you live through. So yeah, I would say that's that's accurate. Yeah. Very good. Kevin, thank you for joining us today and, and sharing your incredible journey and insights. Your story of, is a testament to pow- the power of perseverance, self-improvement, and making a positive impact. Before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or advice you'd like to leave our listeners with? Uh, one of my favorite quotes, and I think it's my quote, so it sounds very arrogant to say that, but I'm sure somebody in the history of humanity has used this in, this, in the way. The biggest difference between who you are today and who you want to be eventually is what you do. Five years, 10 years from today, your life will look drastically different than it does today. Will it be by accident or on purpose, by design? Just focus on where your time, your energy, and your effort is going because that's also a suggestion of what your future is going to look like. And you know, if our listeners wanted to learn more about you, if they wanted to get in contact with you for helping them with their with their podcast, where can they find you at? I always, as promised, I always suggest just listen to Next Level University. We do an episode every day. You'll either love us because we do that or you'll hate us because you're not into us. Either way, I would appreciate you checking us out. We're on all the podcast platforms. We're on YouTube and we'd love to have you. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Proceedus Initiative. I hope you found Kevin's story and wisdom as valuable and inspiring as I did. Remember, the journey to personal and professional growth begins with the first step. Stay motivated, stay positive, and keep pursuing your own path to prestige. Until next time.